I got this. Okay. Ah, uh, I got it. Okay. Uh, I got some beers. Let's drink them, huh? Uh, some film at 11, why don't you follow me down to the brewery? I'll tie a bowling ball to my ankle, dive in the vat of beer. I'll leave this world the same way I entered my marriage. Dead drunk! Hello? Want a beer? Hook it up! Hook it up! Hook me up! Yo, Herb, take it from the top. One, two. Beer? This is how we do it. My mic sound nice, check one. My mic sound nice, check two. My mic sound nice. I remember when I had my first beer. You like parties? Yeah. We can invite all our friends and have soda and pie. Yeah. I hope no bad My mic sounds nice. Check one. My mic sounds nice. Check two. My mic sounds nice. Check three. My mic sounds nice. Check four. My mic sounds nice. Check five. My mic sounds nice. Check six. Are you ready? You want some of this milk? Rather have a beer. You guys give me if I kill that bird. Harvard, that's a bald eagle. Get a wig, baldy! Yeah! Oh, good evening, good evening, good evening. It's the work with Mike Peak and Steve. Mike Peak, Steve. And you are joining us here on GovsRadio.com. And thanks a lot for joining us, everybody. I gotta slowly now switch over my headphones to one solution to another, and then slowly pull down the music as we go through. And uh, again, thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, appreciate it for going. Uh, this is the work Mike and Pete and Steve, GovsRadio.com. Uh, we are live on GovsRadio.com. We, of course, are live on Facebook and live on YouTube, all on the GovsRadio.com page. A couple things we need to talk about tonight really quick before we introduce our guests today. Uh, of course, we are sponsored by a couple of people. We're going to start with Tavor. Go to Tavor.com. Beer shipped directly to your door. Go to Tavor.com and uh, order your first shipment today using the promo code WART, W-O-R-T, and get uh, some sort of percentage or value off of your first purchase. And then after that, you're all on your own, folks. Uh, we are sponsored by t- uh, sorry, Shirts on Tap, shirtsontap.com, uh, giving you your shirts from uh, breweries all across the country and all across the world. Go to Shirts on Tap, use the promo code WART, W-O-R-T, and get your first shirt for $5.99 after that. It's only $13.99 a month. Uh, we're sponsored by Brewers Hardware. We're sponsored by, um, I always forget the rest, right? It's mybomberjackets.com, uh, of course. Uh, yes, got to remember my bomber jackets. Um, who else are we sponsored by, Pete? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that was that is the best one. That one. Yeah, don't let them know. So yeah, we uh we have a lot going on tonight, as you can see. Um, and of course, if you do miss tonight's live show, you can always catch up on all of our podcasts on all the platforms: Spotify, iTunes, Hopped Up Network, and of course, always on GovsRadio.com. And introducing our guest tonight. We uh, start by talking with uh, Jay Stein from 
our buddy over it. Go ahead. What's the big intro, guys? No, come on. Timber Ales. Timber Ales. No one else had it. Timber Ales. I thought we were all going to say it at the same time. I didn't I didn't prep anybody about that, but Pete, Pete's not really a conformist like that. He doesn't like to join in like... Oh. <laughs> we were all... We were all mesmerized by uh, Steven's face. What? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And all... Good. I got to crack it in a minute, but first I got to do all my technology really quick. And that's uh, sharing things and getting things working correctly. Um, and we also are joined by Zach from uh, 12% Beer Project. What up, buddy? Thanks a lot for uh, coming through and hanging out with us. Uh, head brewer over 12%. So uh, we have uh, questions for you too as well. Uh, and as well as uh, representing Marlow, correct? Marlow Ales? Awesome. So we're going to get to all of that in just a few minutes. Uh, first... Uh, first things first, we want to uh, thank a couple of people really quick tonight. Um, there's been a big outpour of listenership and audience members on the Govs Radio Facebook page. So thanks, everyone, for joining in over on Facebook. Uh, I'm not a host that monitors the comments and, and has an interaction with people. So this show will not interact with you. You guys tend to interact with yourselves, and that's all good. Um, it sometimes is very nice and sometimes is very bad. So you like to hear those. Well, they're not bad towards us. They really just fight amongst each other, which is awesome. It's like uh, going to a bar and just watching a bar fight the entire time, only virtually. Um, and so, you know, we, uh, we have a, a lot of stuff to go over tonight. And I really want to start with you, Jay. And I don't know, Zach, you don't have any time constraints. Do you have, I don't want to take your time up because I know you're a busy man with a lot of stuff going on at 12%. So uh, again, thanks a lot for joining us. Um, uh, yeah, he's getting, he's getting, <laughs> yeah, are you running the quarantine mile tomorrow? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Beat me to it. So, uh, Jay, um, we were talking right before the show and I was trying to get a little background on you. I told you I read a couple articles online, uh, about the history of where you came from and you and I actually have uh, a, a very funny, uh, bond really quick. Uh, both of our fathers grew up in Rockville Center, we come to find out, and they're very close to being the same age. So they probably, at being that time of you know history and uh, that age, they would probably have to know each other at one point, or at least heard the names. Um, but it's interesting. So you grew up in Rockville Center out here on Long Island, Nassau County, sorry. And, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, how that all started for you out there and then kind of take us through the travels of where you are today. It's a pretty big journey.
Really? So you were in the you were in the uh, I want to say entertainment industry, but it's really more of the journalist industry. Yes, <laughs> we are part of the problem, Jay. Five or six years ago, um, a lot of beer reviews, a lot of interviews, but I always felt kind of the problem was that I didn't really know enough about the craft beer process, how to really make beer, and felt a little disingenuous reviewing and critiquing other people's beers without creating my own beer. Yeah. So that's when I started picking up home brewing. Uh, I have two friends here, close friends that I went to college and high school with, uh, that kind of showed me the ropes in terms of home brewing. Uh, and that was like probably like five, six years ago. Uh, then eventually got onto brewing, home brewing solo, and it kind of snowballed from there. I was doing one gallon batches, and then immediately after the first batch, I was like, oh, I need to go off to five. It, it just nonstop, then it became kegs, and it just kind of snowballed out of control to a point where after first second year i had a whole barrel room in my parents house in my home bedroom so i've had apple brandy barrels maple bourbon barrels bourbon barrels all come all from kings county distilling out of brooklyn yeah uh kind of grew traction from there people started wanting the beers uh and long story short eventually it got to 12 percent um i have to credit zach with that part right because zach was is was and is the head brewer at 12 percent and him kind of letting 12 percent know was looking for more of a stout brewer to kind of join the portfolio uh there and didn't have really much of a barrel program that's kind of what brought me to 12 percent at the end of the day is it it really had to take the perfect situation for me to ever even think about transitioning from home brewing to commercial Jay, I just want to just pause you for a sec because yeah, I had cool. you guys on mute for a second there and people missed the very beginning after the obvious um, uh, Rockville Center talk that you and I had. Most people heard me, but they didn't hear you. I got that fixed now. Um, so uh, just give me right back really quick. So you went into University of Michigan, you said? Sorry, I caught you mid-sip. <laughs> yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> University of Michigan. So yeah, cool. University of Michigan, kind of. that's where I went to kind of learn about craft that's where I kind of really fell in love with craft beer. Right, right. Uh, Bell's Hop Slam was the beer that was the gateway beer for me. Wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So well, that was well, like, what, I, what about that was, you know, that really, you know, kind of caught you? So so for Bell's, um, so the, at University of Michigan, there's a bar, there was a craft beer bar, 40 drafts line, changing all the time, rotating. And it was like the special beer of the year in, there in Michigan mm. is like, you would know it's hop slam season and that beer coming out and that beer specifically. Um, I know it's very different now when I drink it, but back then like that honey that you got from that beer, like that West coast pininess of the yeah. hops, it was just like, kind of just like blew my mind that you could have a beer like that. That was, tw- that was 10% and that enjoyable. And it kind of like became like, my holy grail where every year I was like, I need hop slam for this year. This is my beer. <laughs> we were talking about that uh, last week, right? Because, what? We were talking about that last week with those West Coast beers for us yeah. um, between Stone and Sierra Nevada and things like that became that, that gateway into the craft beer scene. 
Yeah, it's um, yes, yeah, so I'm hearing about it as well. Hop yeah, them. that was the beer. Other beer ah. I was thinking of. That that beer also really drew me in. Um, when you can get Bell's because Bell's wasn't in New York right. City at the time. I don't think they were here till 2012. So, uh, yeah, that that beer kind of just drew me in. That beer, um, Edmund Fitzgerald, which is from Great Lakes. Yep. Uh, a lot of those beers kind of just like blew me away and kind of got me into that whole craft beer scene where I started seeking beers out and reading Beer Advocate and Raid Beer at the time and seeing where can I get this beer, where can I try this, and it kind of just kind of completely blew up to a point when I moved back here in 2012. I had a group of friends that were like my, my home friends, and I had a group of friends that were like my beer share friends, <laughs> and uh, it kind of just snowballed from there. So <laughs> when you were working over at uh, Paste, you know, what was your um, your thought process? Just try to get as many brewers, get them in front of you, get them their story, kind of like what we do, and then uh, report on that? Or was it more in-depth in regards to... Uh, you trying to figure out how they did their beer or how they got to taste or how the industry is changing in this area, kind of where was their direction? So it was, it, it was kind of both, but when I actually would interview for Paste, it was more of telling the brewer's story and how they kind of got to where they are mm. and where they're going. But at the same time, it kind of helped me build relationships that I still have today with a lot of the brewers uh, that I did interview because then behind the scenes, I would ask them, Hey, what's your thought process on doing this beer? Or if this is what I want to do from one of my homebrews, what do you think about using these, these grains? What about this process? So that's kind of, it kind of fostered that whole start to the homebrewing sense because I started to run, uh, run my recipes and processes by some of these brewers that I had interviewed before. But like when you saw my articles and paste, it was just pretty much a Q and a of, a certain brewer. Yeah, you you you're pretty much doing our show before we did our show, <laughs> only on paper. <laughs> yeah, is it not as cool? <laughs> no, well, I mean the technology's there, but we do the same thing, same concept. You know, Steve is now part of our show, and you know it started uh, our relationship with him just coming into the studio for that first time in our first season, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. We see him at festivals, we hang out, drink beers, uh, coming in as a guest spot a few times here and there. Um, just bringing his knowledge and information and us absorbing. The only difference is we're not going to end up brewing anything ever um, of merit, yeah, for sure. Neither am I. <laughs> and neither is now, Steve. <laughs> You've got medals. Stop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Medals, medals, schmedals. They oh, look I won a World Beer Cup in Xavier. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But now you're on your couch and you're loving life. You're making cheese. Drinking really good beer, man. That's it. I mean, great beer. That's the dream. Um, so that, that brings us to kind of now, um, give us a little idea of, uh, timber ales and kind of how did that kind of spawn out of where you all came from, your influences and all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, really, uh, I had originally started when I, when everyone starts brewing, I guess probably IPA is probably the easiest way to go. I would probably say at least that's what I thought when I was starting, but the problem with home brewing and IPAs is, is it's really hard not to really auction get that auction out of the beer mm. especially as like a one-man show and i every beer every batch i made i was just constantly disappointed the beer would last like a week and mm. you know, it tastes completely oxidized so i didn't really like ipas that much i just knew it was a little bit easier and a little bit faster to kind of brew and you have them ferment and be ready so then i made the change to stouts which um a little bit easier 
for me, even though the day is a lot longer, the process is a lot longer, um, I had to get a lot more equipment to do stats. Um, but it felt easier to me and I really always wanted to kind of transition and develop something that would be, could be aged longer, could be aged in barrels. That was always kind of my interest and uh, really going back to pace and building those relationships with some of the brewers. Uh, one of the brewers in particular uh, where Zach is from, uh, Voodoo Brewing out of Meadville. Uh, so I built a relationship with the guys out of Voodoo and just started talking about recipes, getting their thoughts on certain grains, certain processes. And from there, once I brewed my first stout, it was nonstop. I would never brew another style again. Um, so I did stout after stout after stout. Once I was happy with the regular stouts, it became every beer has to go in a barrel. Um, and I started barrel aged stouts one at a time. Barley wines, it was became nonstop. Um, where I have no, I never wanted to brew another nonstop or barley wine ever again. <laughs> um, which is why, like, beers like the wise ones you're drinking was a little bit out of my wheelhouse because that beer is a much more tweaked and advanced version of my first homebrew. Okay. Um, which Zach obviously helped me on because Zach's a much better brewer when it comes to ideas than I am. <laughs> That's very nice uh, of you to say, Jay. I mean, I'll, I'll admit it. <laughs> I see him smiling. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I knew that I knew that really stouts and barley wines were kind of the lane that I should stay in because they were what I was comfortable doing and doing their, what I'm comfortable brewing, hmm. uh, pro both process and both an understand point of the grains and yeast and what to expect. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just blew up with barrels. I, uh, I probably have, I have like five, five barrels in my parents, in my house <laughs> <laughs> right now. <laughs> so it's pretty much blown up. Blown up to a point, yeah, it's a little bit out of control. Hopefully um, they're not in their living room or anything like that. It's, no, uh, they're using no, them as their table. That's bedroom. that's their uh, dining room table now. It's just one big barrel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, what, so then eventually to sort of get to the point to 12%, um, Zach had asked me, hey, would you ever have any interest in brewing your sales at 12%? And I was like, No. <laughs> I have all these barrels in my childhood bedroom. Like, I don't know how, if I don't really have really a plan to kind of scale it to that point yet. And he convinced me to come in, talk to uh, everyone running 12% as well as himself and see if I'd have any interest or comfort in kind of making that transition. And like I said, it would take the, perfect uh, situation for me to actually make that transition right um i'm very very hard on my beers i like my stats i i drank my stat once i still haven't had i drink it once and that's it it kind of makes me uh, it bothers me every time i drink my own beers <laughs> how so it's like uh, listening to your own I, music I, as an artist i guess right you don't yeah, want to listen back like, to yourself record something like i won't i won't listen to this once it's over <laughs> same <laughs> it's true. Pete, Pete doesn't. I listen for continuity issues. I don't listen because I enjoy myself. But it, it is, it's the truth. Like we, I maybe listened to it once through to make sure what I posted was good. And after that, nah, I'm moving on. Um, yeah. It, yeah. And you take what you learn. I hate the sound of my own voice. So. And so do we. 
Yes. A, I mean, <laughs> obviously, do it. It's that was an objective statement that wasn't subjective at all. That's <laughs> it's for everyone I'm to comment on. to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> um, your wife would attest to. Yes, absolutely. She married you for More your looks. More so in the past six weeks. Yes. <laughs> uh, Jay, that's an interesting concept. So. Um, you know, you, you were part and parcel kind of talking with Zach when he was at Voodoo. Zach, how did you make the transition over to 12% or was there a transition or how did that all work? Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's a complicated question. <laughs> uh, been a long road. Okay. But um, yeah, uh, I got into craft beer, like the in, in the industry. I walked into Voodoo the day that they opened up their pub and thought it was so cool and asked them for a job. <clears throat> and they were like, yeah, everyone would love to work here. And I was like, okay, but I'll work here for free. Um, I was writing for Runner's World at the time and living in my parents' house. So, like, I was making money, uh, didn't have rent. So I was like, I just might as well explore this. Um, I got in, was there for two and a half years. I was the Zach of all trades. It was my <laughs> official job title. I did everything from, you know, like assistant managing. I ran the kitchen at one point. I was washing kegs. I was cleaning the outside of tanks. Um, I was on the bottling line every Friday and just meeting people and finding what I loved about the industry. Found met some people from Richmond. The answer was opening up. They were um, they wanted me to move down to Richmond. Hmm. So I was like, okay, let's let's try something new. I had never left Pennsylvania before, so they brought me down. They got me a job at the answer as the beer buyer. We built out the brewery, and then I became the assistant brewer. And uh, it was there where I just started tasting everything. Uh, I put on the pounds appropriately for the amount that I was drinking. <laughs> and, and then um, from there, you know, it just wasn't quite the fit for me. I wanted to find something that was like of a deeper purpose. And so I ended up jumping around for like a year or two. Went down to Commonwealth, down to Virginia Beach, mm. uh, moved back home, helped out at Voodoo again, trying to join the military. I was just trying to find like a purpose, something greater than like just making beer for people to consume. Um, and it was then I found Kent Falls in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. They were looking for a brewer. I sent my resume out, um, not knowing they were looking for a brewer. Did yeah, you uh, did you run into Dan Moss in that journey over at Kent Falls? Uh, no. Dan no. Moss. I might have before you after he at one point he was uh he brewed down here on long island at fire island he actually was our first brewer guest on our show uh, but fire island has since uh, uh ceased to exist is a good way of putting it. yes <laughs> and dan kind of moved into the industry in other ways and is doing other things but i know at one point in our uh every time kent falls comes up we always go anyone know dan moss anyone know where he is <laughs> yeah no i didn't still, uh, there Dan is still selling uh, P-Tainer one-way kegs. Oh, he is. Okay. Oh, okay. Those are such a cool idea. Yeah. Um, you know, when 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 I had the brewery, we used them. You were, you were doing those, right? Yeah. We, we If they had to go far, if they had to go upstate or, you know, where we didn't want to pick them up again, we sent them and they were one-way and they were perfect for us. And so, yeah, we just always wonder how people's paths cross. So interesting. So Kent Falls, I, I meant to stop yeah. there uh, over the summer when I was doing my little journeys through Connecticut and Massachusetts, but it's uh, a little, yeah, it's a little off the <laughs> the path of ninety five there. So I was like, ah, yeah. maybe next time we'll make it a destination one day. But then, of yeah. course, twelve percent as well. So um, that's another. How close are you now to that? Uh, 
me personally from no no for uh, kent falls to 12 percent. oh it's an hour i think okay yeah so that's doable it's doable in a day it's not not bad it's just all back roads you know connecticut is crazy because you look at your map and it's like oh it's 13 miles and then you hit start and then it's like it'll take 45 minutes to get there. <laughs> like, what? Like, that's insane it's like living in dc where you know it's three miles will take you an hour and a half yeah go around the circle the circle's the worst yeah yeah so uh you know baruna kent falls uh and so then how did you kind of get into the 12 percent so kent falls and then uh I, so as you said it's in the middle of nowhere i was living all alone i turned 30 um my family is does not live in Connecticut. They live in either Virginia or they live in Pennsylvania. And so I just really wanted to be near somebody that I knew. Um, <laughs> no one can blame you. Particularly my family. I was living like a monk. I was working six, seven days a week mm-hmm. uh, of my own volition. It was not like anyone was telling me to do this. I was just trying to learn as much as possible and grow as a, as a professional. And then out of the blue, I got a, a phone call from Aslan Beer Company down mm-hmm. in Herndon. And they offered me a lot of money uh, and the opportunity to be closer to, to family. So I'll Which brewers usually don't make. No. Right, exactly. No, exactly. Yeah. That's good. So, yeah, because you're uh, very lucky for that piece yeah. of uh, information sending you away. That's awesome. So and I, Aslan's uh, a good reputation, too. Aslan's a great brewery. Yeah, it was an interesting move okay. um, going from Kent Falls to Aslan. I, so, again, it comes back to purpose and intent. Right. So, you know, at Kent Falls, I found that purpose of being tied to the land and, and doing things simply. And at, at Aslan, it was like doing things to the extreme and really kind of pushing the boundaries of what beer is. And I just like, I had anxiety and I had like all these crazy things happening in my brain. It was just like, I lost that purpose. And so I had to get out and I got a phone call from Brandon Tolbert, who was the head brewer at The Answer when I was there. Hmm. And he asked me if I would consider moving back to Connecticut. It's not something I was thinking about doing, but he just out of the blue was like, hey, um, I'm opening up this brand through 12%. Would love for you to be involved with it. Would you be, would you entertain the idea of moving back? And I said, absolutely. This is just not, DC is not fitting. I'm not fitting into this vibe. So hmm. um, yeah, so had a phone call <laughs> 20 minutes later with Alex Blank from 12%. And I think by the end of the weekend, I had a job. It was crazy. That's awesome. awesome. Now, how? Give me the background on Twelve Percent. How long have they been around, and uh, what, what are they cu- currently doing? Are they uh, mostly just contract? Or are they also releasing their own beers, or how? How does that model work for them, and for you, uh, as you being part of it, head brewer there? <laughs> right. So, Twelve Percent started as a distribution company, yep. um, and it still is a distribution company. And the beer project started years ago i'm actually really not very good at I'm, <laughs> like knowing the history of 12 percent, which is which is terrible but that's all right um, well how about today's i usually like, leave stats, it to like... alex to talk about this stuff and i just talk about what i know it's like yeah i, I know how to make beer that's about <laughs> it yeah i think um, the facility opened last year didn't it the facility yeah so they've been they had been contracting through places trying to trying to buy a place i think um, they think they contract with uh fire allen didn't they uh no yeah. i th- no? Did they? Or am I well, confusing well, with someone else? They made a GSB through 12%. Right. Yeah. But that might have been just, you know, like certain brewers. I know like Evil Twin and, and Nightmare and, you know, a few of those guys were, were doing it at GSB until the facility opened in uh, Connecticut. Yep. We opened up in October, I want to say. 
our first batch of beer was brewed up in Connecticut. They'd finally found a home. It got built in six months, which is the craziest thing I've ever I've ever seen. Right. Um, when Alex told me that I needed to move up, at the he was like, "Yeah, I need you um, September 1st. I was like, "Why? You know, you're building a brewery. You just started four months ago. There's no way that you're going to be brewing for another year." And he's like, "No, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Sure enough." Sure enough, October comes around and we're brewing. It's like, what? How does this happen? Uh, somehow everything just aligned perfectly and um, started brewing in October. So, so. do you have uh, uh, like a stat on how many contracts you guys are working with? How many uh, contracted breweries are being brewed at 12%? So we consider it more of a partnership okay. than contracting um, because they're so I like that. Involved. That's nice. Yeah. Because obviously Jay's up there with you guys during the brew process. You're, he's exactly. not actually and, giving you the recipe yeah. and saying exactly. brew it. He's yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I always, whenever people ask me, I always just say it's like it feels more like an incubator. Like ah, it's, yeah. We're just basically going up there to brew the beer, and you're kind of shifting who's brewing that day. Mm-hmm. Right. I ran in from to uh, Billy from uh, from Nightmare, and I think he said the same thing. He's up there a few days a week. Uh, yeah. You know, he still, sure I think he still lives. Still lives around here, but he's up there, like all you know, constantly. Yeah, Con- yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a really cool concept. Uh, we we were supposed to have some sort of incubator down here in Copeg in uh, Long Island. That's right. At, that old the old Corvette shop, right? Yeah, and then they uh, said it was going to be a uh, a super fun site because of, or something. It was some crazy pollution was... in the ground, and you know they got all approved, but then they realized probably how much money it would take to actually clean up the space. And then they nixed it. Uh, that would have been an exciting thing, probably something very similar to what 12% is doing, where a lot of um, people can come and, and brew and, and bottle and release from one location, which is very cool. And I'm glad 12% ended up being that, you know, and, and the fact that it's here on the East Coast and relatively close that we can go up and, and visit. When you go into 12%, yeah. could you get any of the uh, collaboration breweries on tap there? Yeah, so that's the beautiful thing is it's, you know, it, we make it there, so technically it is made in Connecticut. Okay. It's a Connecticut brewery, um, and the way it's structured, they are brewing Connecticut beer, so they might have their home in another state, like American Solera, but they are brewing here. Um, so yeah, you can come into 12%, and it's American Solera, and Evil Twin, and Nightmare, and Timber, and Marlowe, and Abomination, and I mean, it's just, it's basically- oh, That's right, Abomination's like in that too, yeah. It's almost like a bar, but it's, you know, a bar brewery. It only serves 12% beer. Exactly. Right. That's awesome. Speaking of 12% beer, <laughs> this is 12% by volume. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jay, I want, I want to get into that. And then, uh, of course, Zach, chime in as we go because you're playing a hand in a lot of these brews, uh, working with Jay on these. So the first one we cracked tonight that we, uh, the two of the, uh, well, Pete cranked through it, obviously, um, was Rite of Crows. That's a problem. Was this uh, your first IPA that you had brewed? Second. Second. Okay. Yeah. So give us the rundown on this because you did it in collaboration with Prison City and you did it at 12%, correct? Mm-hmm. So yeah. tell us a little bit yeah, about not- uh, the, the, the rundown on your uh, brewing process for this guy. Since By you the weren't. Way, this is pretty awesome for a second attempt. Yeah. So. <laughs> it is really uh, good. So, so, yeah. So, um, as I said, like a uh, first beer was an IPA. Uh, I actually, Zach actually helped me name, name that. It's actually the next IPA that's coming out. Uh, it's called Insomniac's Daydream. Uh, 
Zach's idea because I'm really bad at naming beers. Uh, but um, I oh, by the way, let me. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but uh, if you go on Equilibrium's account right now, you can go try to build your own beer and win a contest. I went on there today to see if I can get an order shipped in New York State because they're doing it. And I clicked into some Google Drive thing and I took like this questionnaire and I'm like, yeah, I'd, I'd want a double dry hop. And yeah, I'd want Citra and Moika. And then all of a sudden at the end, it goes, name that beer. So I named the beer. and I was like, oh, I'm entered to possibly have my beer brewed. I had no idea that was even possible. And, and what's so cool is you called it the wart. With- no, no, not even close. <laughs> I tried to go along with their their uh, their naming process. So I named it um, Transient Echoes. So he just threw it out there. I did. I, I being an audio guy and peaks in the audio waveform and transients and so whatever. I mean, they they have waveform. They have uh, laboratory waves and all this other stuff. So I just thought maybe I'd stick in that same realm. So that's why I, why I brought it up is because I I named that beer from my bed today, <laughs> just out of the blue. So what was the, the the thought behind Riot of Crows? What is the significance of the uh, the naming? Uh, so Prison City in Auburn. They have the biggest population of crows hmm. in the country. Who, who counts the crows? So it's, it's like, like who so gets it's... that job? Counting crows. <laughs> Come on. I know. Like, like what I fucking? Actually, I actually did the research. What res, what, what's on your resume that says <laughs> I count fucking birds? You, you, you need to look it up because when I someone told me about this before I named the beer, and they actually had like a contest at the end of. March, which was the month we brewed the beer, where they they allow I don't know if they still do, but they allow citizens to go around killing crows, and the winner would the, would be the person who kills the most crows in the town. Um, Obviously, this was this not like that long ago. It was in the two thousands, so Jesus, um, it might still happen. <laughs> Steve, sounds Pete, fun. sounds like we're doing a live show from the crow killing contest. Yeah, sure. <laughs> can we join in? Yeah. We got BB guns. Shotgun rental facility anywhere nearby? <laughs> There's got to be. Really um, BYOG. It's kind of cool because the, all the crows seem to be coming out of uh, a warehouse. Prison what, City. Oh, yeah. it, no, it's from if Prison you look, City. If you look at it. It says Prison City. Yeah. I basically, had the artist draw Prison City's brew pub. Oh yeah, I see it there. Yeah, yeah. And it's basically that, and it's showing all the crows. Basically, it's supposed to be like the riot of all the crows after everyone's trying to kill Prison them. Prison riot. Riot. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, look yeah. that up, Pete. You're gonna he's gonna go right on there. He's already on the Google search. <laughs> How do I get a ticket to the crow killing contest? <laughs> well, I mean I wasn't, but now <laughs> Now I, I have imagining it's still existing today, but it might. <laughs> and listen, we can go to Prison City and enjoy the beer at, at the same time. Contest. Yeah. That's crazy. So, so uh what was what was the relationship with Prison City? How'd you hook up with them? So um Joe who is, I believe, the assistant brewer at Prison City. I had gone up there while... So back in the day, Prison City had entered into a Pace blind... One of those blind tasting contests that Pace does. Um, I'm not involved in them, but it was like something stupid. Like, we ranked in 250 different blind-tasted IPAs. And Prison City kept coming out first a few years in a row, so uh, they were happy about Pace. And I just dropped a name that I used to work at Pace Magazine. I was coming up to visit. So while I was in the Finger Lakes, I stopped over at Prison City, spent the day with uh, Ben and Joe and kind of check out their brew system there. Uh, so we kind of developed a relationship since then. It was a few years back. And um, 
when I was trying to figure out who I'd want to do a collab IPA with, I thought about them because uh, I really liked uh, their Mass Riot beer, which I believe was kind of made after one of Trillium's beers. Ah, uh, so do you know which one? Because I'm a big Trillium uh, fan. Here. I believe. I'm we gonna... know. We know. I know. Friends. I like Trillium. <laughs> so, yeah. So we. Uh, I was like, you want guys want to come down and do a collab? Uh, let's name it uh, Ride in New York City, which probably wouldn't have been a good na- name for it right now. <laughs> nope. <laughs> in hindsight, well picked. <laughs> so if they they mixed that one. They're like, nah, we'd rather not name it. And I was like, now I'm very happy. <laughs> they, they said that because right at the cross was a lot better <laughs> for this uh, time. But yeah, and lends itself you really to some... are bad at picking names, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't name any of my beers. <laughs> so uh, tell us about the brewing process. Um, you know what what goes into this? What's the base? What's the adjuncts? What do we got for a hop, uh, dry hop, all that stuff? Yep. So um, so the original recipe, original homebrew tweet to become before this my first ipa at uh 12 was called star searching that one i actually did name uh it was a collab with casa agria oh, okay cool um, out of california um so that base uh i kind of meshed that base with prison city's uh mass riot mm. here that they're known for ipa um we dry hopped it with the same hops that they use for mass riot which is uh mosaic simpo and citra Okay. Uh, just single dry hop, not a double dry hop. Seven uh, percent. Um, so yeah, we just kind of meshed the two together. It was a large batch, um, sixty barrel batch. Wow. Uh, so it was a there you have thirty uh, thirty barrel uh, system at twelve percent. So it was a double batch day. Um, followed by a lot of pizza. A lot of beer. <laughs> That's a long day, brother. <laughs> Zach knows. He's like, yeah, it was a long day. <laughs> yeah. How uh, how nervous, nerve wracking is that? Uh, there you go. How nerve wracking is that to have that much beer? Uh, yeah, just kind of one of your not first or really your second IPA, but very very nerve wracking. Even before it's the whole, the first batch, uh, just in general, the first batch was actually a barley wine collab with Horror Sage Ales out of California hmm. and Mindful Ales out of New Jersey. Um, a re- recreation of a homebrew, um, but even before I started brewing at twelve percent, I had asked Alex, who ru- kind of runs operations at twelve percent, can we find another facility if we can do like two to five barrel batches? Because I'm doing five gallons, I have no comfort kind of jumping up. <laughs> that's a that's a big jump. I'm brewing five gallons. Now let me brew 500. <laughs> yeah. But, so, what, what, what's good for you, though, you have Zach, who yes. can easily help you take that from that 5-gallon, 10-gallon well, batch. And, yeah, so that, that's and, kind of, yeah. Yeah, how, exactly. That's so, great to have. Steve, yeah, exactly, Steve. So, like, that's that's why I said, like, this was the perfect situation, because I have Zach, who actually I trust. If I didn't know the brewer, Aww. or I, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done it. There's... There's like I, I needed someone that I could trust to be there, kind of with me to make sure that the beer comes out how I wanted it to taste. Was and, it? Yeah. I was gonna say, was it hard scaling up from that five gallon to this, and did that also lend itself to being a little nervous? Uh, I think it wasn't like the recipe itself. It was there's some ingredients that I had used as a home brewer that didn't exist at that scale. Okay. Um, 
and also kind of learning what ingredients I had to substitute it with for that scale is a little bit nerve wracking. Um, that and also the scaling up in terms of efficiency was a little bit nerve wracking, uh, especially for like the barley wine, the stout, um, because I don't think, and nobody, I don't think anyone has done a barley wine at 12% other than that one. So I was a little bit nervous, especially with using the yeast we use for that beer, uh, just in terms of it working out the right way. Um, what uh, idea, what yeast you guys been you've been using for the barley wine? It was thirteen eighteen. Oh, so oh, white knives. Yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, so that, that one I was more ner the most nervous about that and the first stout, which is the one you guys are drinking now. Nice. Uh, that was, those two were the first two, so I was extremely nervous about everything. Um, I think now. I kind of am a little bit, a lot more relaxed about it. Um, and I know, like, once again, trust Zach. So he knows what I'm going for. Um, so I kind of have trust in the process now. But I would say leading up to and even after the first batch, even the second batch, probably took the third batch to be completely comfortable. Mm. Um, I probably will never be 100% comfortable. <laughs> I know I ask Zach every single day when I'm not there, like, what's the beer at now? What's the beer at now? And he's got to the point where he has him and everyone else at the brewery completely fucking with me. Where I get texts from random numbers of people at the brewery being like, hey, we're going to add peanut butter to the beer now. And I'm like, who the fuck is this? Just <laughs> sending I you. That, I get that every day. Just sending you uh, posts. That it was 1318's white yeast. Yes. Yeah, 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 so yeah. everybody else knows uh, i don't want to screw all the brewers that are listening up give me um your your reaction to when that first beer came off the line you cracked it open you taste it you know it's it's right where you want it to be uh is there like a relief is there like some sort of dance or that you're gonna do <laughs> like what what goes into that moment no I, uh, uh, for the for the first one since it was a barley wine I was very nervous because I don't think, and I, I mean, I, once again, I drank it once. I haven't drank it since. Um, uh, I think non-barrel aged barley wines are something that you don't really see at all these days. Like the only one I could think of that I've had before has been Sierra Nevada's Bigfoot. Mm. Um, Love that beer. Yeah, but you don't, I don't think really, first of all, barley wine is not really a style that that many non-hardcore beer people enjoy and having a non-barrel aged barley wine where you don't really have that sweetness or that oakiness from a barrel um i was very very nervous about that beer um just because i knew that it was going to be something different and i knew that some people wouldn't like it um so i i, I don't think for that one i ever really felt relaxed i would say it, it took to it took a while the ipa with casa Aria, I was pretty relaxed after that one. Um, and then the stout, not even the stout, I was a little bit relaxed with the one that you're drinking now, but at the same time, I knew that people who are pastry stout fans, which are pretty much most of the people who drink stouts mm. in the Hartford Craft Beer community, um, they wouldn't- You don't know any of those fuckers, do you, Steve? And then, oh, no. <laughs> I knew that they would say like, look, this beer doesn't have it. It's not sweet enough. It doesn't have enough coconut. I even put on the bottom of the can, it says, needs more coconut on the bottom <laughs> of it. And I knew that 
that that would be what people would say because it's not enough coconut in the beer and like look like i'm brewing these beers the intention is for barrels that's that's where i'm going is the intention for barrels i'm going to give a preview of the base i'm going to adjunct it appropriately so that you can see how the beer transforms from from non-barrel age to barrel age um but i knew that the beer wouldn't be sweet enough and it wouldn't have enough adjuncts it's constantly the struggle that i have with some of the beers that i'm putting out when it comes to the darker beers because i know that will most likely be the reaction and it it bothers me but it, i understand and you listen <laughs> you're not going to please everybody at the same time too right, so yeah. you got to kind of brew what you like and what you think is appropriate for the time and, and day of the yep. temperature of the industry um and but, got, but do you do you brew for yourself do you brew beers that you want to brew because you're not drinking them. <laughs> yeah, drinking them. I, I I do brew beer that I want to brew, but what I want to—I mean, that I want to drink—I want to drink those stats out of the barrel. That's what I'm like. I'm excited about. Um, I want to because you can appropriately. Yes. <laughs> I want to. So if you don't, don't if you don't drink your own beers, like what what uh? Yeah. What do you? What's your go to right now? Who do, you, who do you enjoy then? Well, he's got all those twelve percent beers that he could drink. <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> oh, look at that. He's gonna have Marlowe L's. I'm drinking Zach's beer right now. There you go. Ah. I was saying before Zach that I uh, I had a tough time trying to find him at the local one uh, where we got uh, Jay's beer. So when I see them poke around here, or I'll I'll probably look them up on. Um, uh, was it beer locator app? I don't use it all that much. Uh, I'll probably find somewhere that has it and I'll go grab it. But I was running out of time this weekend and today to try to get out there. Um, so, I mean, with that said, you know, with Marlowe being, uh, you head brewing for 12%, you also now have your side project of Marlowe. How's that working out? What's the, uh, the history on that? How'd that come to be? Um, <clears throat> It was, I mean, it's a difficult thing because we do work with a bunch of different brands. Um, and it was not part of the initial offer. Hmm. It was more of um, we had to talk with all the other brands and be, this is um, this is the situation. Are you comfortable with this? And all of them approved it. I um, imagine it was kind of like the Knights of the Round Table. You guys will all sit yeah. around a big table. <laughs> Everyone puts their sword in if they approve Zach's uh, side project. Yeah, exactly. And I think the reason why that was um, is because what I'm the focus of Marlowe is very different than anyone else's. Mm. Um, and it's you know I, I already had three months worth of recipes written down, wow. uh, and I was focusing solely on low ABV beers, okay. which everyone else was not. Um, the main really? <laughs> yeah, you know Strumkey always comes out hot with some sort of lager that is just insanely drinkable though I will yeah. say that yeah or even Jack's Abbey I find Jack's Abbey had some good sessionable lagers that were very good oh, always yeah mm. Um, so, you know, how do you, do you find the time? Is it something where you're trying to build in time for your project while head brewing and helping everybody else out? Is, is that a tough balance? Yeah. I mean, I'm on my phone all day while I'm brewing. Um, <laughs> like it's just, I mean, that social media account is, is a job in and of itself. It's crazy. Are you um, just doing a Marlo or are you also, uh, doing no, just 12- Marlo, yeah. okay. I was going to say also 12%, but yeah. We yeah, also have a team of brewers at this point too, so it's okay. not all on me uh, anymore. 
But I'm sure you're called in, though, a lot for approval or, you know, recommendations and things like that, being, you know, the head brewer. And I guess you have multiple head brewers then. Right, we do. Um, Now, are people assigned? Yeah, I was going to say, are people assigned to different breweries? Like, do you have an assignment? Like, you're going to take Abomination and Nightmare, and then the other one has this, or you guys will just kind of collaborate together? It's more of just a collaboration. It's kind of shaking out to be that way. It's really difficult to do that because the schedule is always changing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I have my focuses with Timber Ales, Marlow, uh, Short Throw, uh, a really oh, kind Short of Throw. I forgot that, about that. They were there too. Jeez. Yeah. So, I mean, pre- people I have personal connections with yeah. previously. And then, um, you know, I just am constantly texting with them, giving them updates on different beers. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, when it's time to brew somebody else's beer, it's not like I'm giving them any less of an effort or focus. And it's, it's, it's really cool exercise to kind of step back and just refocus in the moment Mm -hmm. and just be like, this is the beer that I'm making and I'm going to make it the best I possibly can. So it's, it's more about practicing procedure rather than trying to improve um, like an overarching brand idea. It's like, all right, how can I make this beer the best I can right now? Uh, I think that's a it's that's definitely a tough balance, especially when working with all different people, personalities, and of course recipes that they're coming up with. You said right. you had three months of recipes, and Jay, I'll ask you the same question: um, how how much information did you walk into your current jobs with? Um, I know Jay, you you did like a little bit of a tour of the United States. Uh, how many of those places that you worked at um, did you pull in information, or did you use not necessarily exactly what that was doing, but they used the idea or the concept to brew some of your beer? Yeah, you can go ahead. You know, you're always pulling from past experiences, but you don't want to completely rip something off. Mm. Um, I find a lot of inspiration from chefs, uh, the Ooh. culinary world, and focusing, you know, seeing, seeing how people are, they're not reinventing the wheel, but just refining the wheel. Mm. And that's kind of where I settled. It was like, okay, I see how this person does this. I see how this person does this. You know, starting at Voodoo, it was like, all right, I've learned barrel aging. And then going to the answer, it's like, okay, I understand how to make really good IPAs now. Um, And then going to Kent Falls, it was farmhouse and loggers and a lot of experimentation, um, applying a lot of the stuff that I had learned previously and doing it on my own for the first time. And then at Aslan, it was making stouts. And um, and just kind of helping refine IPAs, and then coming up to twelve percent, it's like, all right, here's you, you've done all this this background research, you have all this experience. Now just do it on your own. And I finally felt comfortable enough to do that. Recently. That's awesome. Jay, how about you? I, I, do, I do have to say, Zach, you're one of the brewers that uh, I, I just from talking to you now, truly respect because you started from the ground up. You you know you did everything uh that it took to get where you are and a lot of guys don't want to do that they want to skip those steps and just be like you know the, the rock star so to speak right. but you know you're the guy to clean the kegs and wash the dishes and and do all that so uh kudos to you brother I, I i deeply appreciate what you've done man and nothing but the best of luck going forward uh Thank and you. i see good things for you guy yeah and, and cool, the fact uh, that you worked for like nothing and and put in the <laughs> The, I mean, I, I'm in the, uh, we'll say, quote unquote, I, I'm a teacher, but I, we're in the entertainment world and I did a lot of side projects for nothing. I still do side projects here and there, 
for free just to try to bolster the resume and to gain the experience and stuff like that. So same thing, you know, if you have a passion for it, it sometimes it just doesn't feel like work. It just feels like something you want to do. Exactly. And I always saw, you know, <laughs> brewing as an apprenticeship, like the medieval kind of idea of an apprenticeship where you, you walk into something and then you just kind of be raised into this, yeah. uh, this yeah. career, this culture. And I, I mean, that's how I saw it. Uh, I respected people who, who did that before me and I admired them and saw what, what they were able to do with that. That idea and, is going to lend itself very well to a meme for the work wrangler. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I was going to say that before. That was my other joke. Uh, when they, uh, when you guys fuck with uh, Jay, they just send like nothing but blown out tanks and <laughs> shit all over the floor. And to it's him. like nonstop. <laughs> it's nonstop. It, I get it. Like, you, you you wanted peanut butter in this beer. Well, the first one was the first beer. Zach texted me. It must have been like five in the morning, and he's like, "You're not you or anyone who drinks your beer is not allergic to peanuts, right?" And I was like, "What are you talking about?" We got a fresh batch of chickpeas. Those are going in that one, right? Uh. And it was like nonstop, and I was like, I was like pulling out my hair. It was the first beer. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I was like, this is this can't keep going on. And even like, yes, it can. Can. Yes, it can. and it will. <laughs> it's like nonstop. And then no. like, I don't even know who this person is. So I, that's it. whoever texted me last week, it was like a no number. I didn't have the number. And I didn't know if it was guy or girl. So I didn't, couldn't, like, I was just like. <laughs> they're just getting, they're just getting burner phones to, to fuck with you. <laughs> that's <laughs> going, nice. Going, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so jay what about you did you uh, by the way jay okay. can i get your number before we get off <laughs> just send it from the block number you. yeah there you go <laughs> don't worry yeah it's it's quite nerve-wracking as yeah. zach knows how like uh kind of like nervous in particular i get about every like little detail and it, he just enjoys it so you you must have pulled in a, a, like a lot of experience just like Zach had. Um, so when thinking about the the plan, like you said, with Timber Ales and you wanted to brew um, the barley wine, the stouts and everything, um, and your first IPA, delicious, by the way, um, you know, what what do you think that is the next step, the next level for this to try to move that brand forward? It, it, it's all going to come back to kind of the barrel program and um, – really what gave me comfort in really starting this up at 12% was not only having Zach there, but having, um, Chris, Chris there, Chris was the seller man at Hill Farmstead. Oh, right. He's now seller man at 12%. So his knowledge in terms of barrel aging kind of gave me the comfort in starting that there. Cause when I, when I originally came in to have, um, kind of bring my homebrews there, Chris wasn't there. And that was my big concern. I had looked at the, breweries that were there, the fact that there was really no barrel program. Um, Zach was the only really person really doing the majority of the brewing. I didn't want to completely stretch him thin and go, have him go crazier than he already is. Mm. Um, <laughs> so I kind of was nervous at first, but having Chris there kind of gave me the comfort that it would be, it would be the perfect situation. And um, really taking that barrel program forward is really the goal for t- Timber Ales. Kind of not finding the best quality of barrels and the goal is to hopefully not have to adjunct those beers. I really want those beers to really have the adjunct to be those barrels. And that's what I always really wanted for the, these uh, beers. So really the adjuncting, as I said, is 
mainly I view it as a way to kind of give people a preview, cover some of the costs that are going to go into these beers and putting them in barrels in the long term. Yeah. Um, what was uh, really that barrel? What's the primary? Uh, what was the previous purpose for these barrels? Would they come from uh, wine? Or are they bourbon? What's they're, the... all, they're all bourbon. So the barley wine uh, sitting in Willet Rye barrels now. Um, the Chasing Darkness is sitting in 2006 and 2007 Heaven Hill barrels. So William Heaven Hill and all the Fitzgerald barrels. Uh, the third beer, which is uh, Tale to Pities, is sitting in Weller barrels. Um, the next beer that is coming out is a collab at Moxa Brewing. Um, okay. That will be filled next week into 12-year Elijah Craig barrels. <laughs> and we did whole Fitzgerald barrels. And then, uh, yeah, so it, it, it really is, the, the purpose is really finding the best quality barrel that we can get. Right. Are, you, really, are you mainly so, just doing bourbon barrels or you look and make port or, or rum? Um, the, the barley wine is in cognac barrels as well. Hmm. Uh, oh. Horace, really, Horace really wanted to have cognac barrels. Um, but outside of that with barley wine, I don't think so. I really, I really, really, really enjoy kind of the interplay of bourbon barrels and stout and not having an adjunct really ruin that. Um, I mean, I've had, I've for even my home brews, I've added adjuncts to barrel-aged beers, but really only when I can find an adjunct that could kind of complement that barrel character. Um, well, give I, give us I an really example want... of what that would be. What would be a good example of an adjunct that would go well with that? Um, so it really depends. I have, I'm trying to think, ones that I have done. Uh, I did a barrel age bourbon barrel with coconut. Um, it, I had barrel age, it, it just didn't have the um, kind of depth. And I like the cinnamon character, the spicy cinnamon character mm. that I sometimes get from the oak and bourbon barrels. And I figured I'd use a little bit of toasted coconut to kind of accentuate that kind of spiciness on it. Okay. So um, I've done that where it's not, not a lot of coconut, it's not gonna be a pastry stout. Um, by no means, but I kind of want to kind of enhance that spiciness of the oak um, or a little bit of vanilla thins, kind of the same thing with the oak. Um, but I really do I really rather not go overboard. I, the only way I probably ever really adjunct or add a good amount of it is if, if there's something missing from the barrel. But I, I, don't, I, I think the good thing about having all these barrels and very similar quality stouts um, in terms of the recipes, just minor tweaks here and there is you can always blend. Um, mm. So, yes, and that's good. a huge thing because you're going to get certain barrels that are hot. You know, yeah. some are real subtle, and then if you could take those and blend them properly, uh, and 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 pick and choose what you want, um, yeah, you could really come up with something fantastic. And are you going through yeah. a a barrel distributor or a contractor? Who's uh, how are you getting your barrels? Yep. Uh, I have uh, two individuals I use. Um, uh, one is Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Company. They're down in ten. They're down in Tennessee. Yep. Um, and then the other one is in Maine, and I kind of use them both. Um, there came high, both of them came highly recommended from friends over at Voodoo. So. And um, Zach, are you guys using uh, the similar thing? Are you guys bringing in barrels through those companies, or is this something that each? Uh, brewer that comes and collaborates is picking and choosing each brewer is, is finding their own i mean jason's con connections are, are pretty 
legit as he <laughs> <laughs> delved into it. But um, so, yeah, I think most people have a preferred barrel a barrel broker that they, they go through. So when you I haven't used anything yet. Yeah. When you get that barrel broker, are they shipping them to you, Jay, and you're bringing them up, or are they going right to 12%? Right to 12%. Okay. So you guys obviously then have to have like some sort of uh, delivery door, and, and they're bringing in and saying this is for yeah, this person. Yeah. 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 So yeah, do you, do you have a, a nice storage area where you guys are keeping all your barrels and temper yeah. control and all that good stuff. It, is it's it huge. 50, like 50,000 square feet. <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. That's we it. have like an unreal. Like way too much space. <laughs> There's one section that's 5,000 square feet that's just unused right now. Jesus. You got room. Yeah. You have room. Yeah. You have room. Steve, you, you want you want to start a brewery up at 12%? <laughs> <laughs> you could fit an entire GSB up at twelve percent. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. Pretty big. Either that, or you guys start an in bowl with a bowl league, and you got the full. Uh, yeah. the entire... yeah, getting we we were organizing all of that before coronavirus yeah. hit. Uh, oh. We had badminton coming in. Really? Oh. That's cool. Yeah. We were going to do it all. We were going to do it up, but well, you got the space. That's for sure, and you hey. got the uh, capacity. How big is the? Uh, the the beer project tasting room Zach, it's not that big. Um, I don't know what the capacity is. I want to say a uh, hundred or so. Hmm. It's not very big, uh, but we have an outdoor deck that nice. you can stand on. Um, it gets packed on weekends, or it did get packed. We on did, weekends. yeah. <laughs> it will be packed again. Jason, yeah. um, your your barley wines are they? Are they American style or are they uh, English? All English. Cool. Yep. Very cool. Zach, with that yep, said, I, I, oh, God. I like I love that English style and um, trying to think the the ones that I really like and people might frown on me for liking it, but like the old 2013 Bourbon County barley wines, I I love that beer. That King Henry back then when you, they were easier to get. Um, I just love that caramel and toffee quality of the barley wine. And I still have more of them now. Um, I just love drinking them, um, even though you can't really drink too many of them. (laughs) But uh, if you, there's really, I can't, there's not that many, you can't, it's not really a thing that's really common kind of in the tri-state area, I would say. I mean, Kane makes some pretty good barley wines. Um, I can't even think of any other. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure uh, a couple breweries, yeah. even here on Long Island, will come out with one, and it'll be, you know, like a kind of a seasonal-based thing because you're not drinking barley wines yeah. in the summer. So you look for the fall, sort of, and, you know, they'll have one, maybe two here and there around here. But, yeah, it's not a very common brewed beer. It's not so. a sexy style. Right. <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, and I guess that's probably what drove your idea to then come out with the IPA because you want to have something that you're passionate about, but then you also want something that sells. So what was the response to the barley wine versus the IPA when you're trying to get it out there? Uh, obviously people like the IPA more, <laughs> more. I mean with the IPA. So that this first one was with Casa Agria. Um, Eric is good buddy with Zach and myself. So kind of that made sense in terms of having like the first person to stay over at 12%. So he spent the weekend with us, mm. did a collab with me one day, did one with Zach one day. So we did back-to-back collabs. Uh, Zach, I believe, did a pale ale with Eric. 
called Translations of Truth. Um, and I did start searching an IPA. Um, Eric is kind of known, Casagri is known for most of their farmhouse mixed culture stuff. Uh, and they do some IPAs as well. Uh, so it seemed like the, being that there's no mixed culture and I've never done a mixed culture beer. So um, it wouldn't make sense for me to do it. IPA seemed like the right beer for that. What would be uh, uh, the um, difference between that and a mixed culture? What does the mixed culture mean to a beer? Oh, uh, like more like a farmhouse using like the actual culture, like the brewer's culture. So um, I guess you guys, that was like, you don't even do, there's no mixed culture beer at 12%, right? Not yet. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's coming. It is coming. Yeah. <laughs> when will Zen be now? <laughs> and then we'll release them a year from now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's probably why. Um, I mean, yeah, just I trying to open. Sour beers or mixed culture or mm-hmm. farmhouse or however you want to say it. Um, but yeah, so it made sense in terms of an IPA. Plus, he's there for one weekend doing two beers. Uh, a stat would have killed a day completely. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Although I guess the IPA kind of killed the day completely because we had some issues, but <laughs> oh no, that was the time when when the when oh the things got stuck. Was it equi- equipment issues or was it personnel? <laughs> I, well, there it was. I don't know. There's a lot going personnel on. Personnel got stuck in the equipment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So no, we had a we had an event there that day. Okay. Um, yeah. So there were like hundreds of influencers. Uh, visiting and taking I truly, truly hate everywhere. that term. Yeah, right. <laughs> we all go, ugh. <laughs> Insta-famous, you know? They, so they, they were everywhere. Um, we, you know, you're trying to be a good host. You're trying to, to right. have them enjoy the space. But you're also trying to work and brew a beer. And it was just, it was crazy. And then there were rice hulls. A, a plug of rice hulls got stuck uh, from the mash mixer to the louder ton. And it was just like didn't know what was going on, couldn't get the grain to move, had to take it apart like three or four times to finally figure out where it was. Um, so I was already very frustrated, and and then <laughs> on top of having hundreds of people literally like walking up the brew deck, being like, "Can I call so many here? selfies?" <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, you can't come up here. It was yeah, crazy. he was very angry. <laughs> it was just a bad day. It was not a good day. How many how many legs did you sweep on the way trying to get up to your equipment? Sweep the leg, Just, Johnny. It was like one beer per frustrated cat. <laughs> P- Bingo. So you were pretty hammered. I can't see him getting really angry, but I, I could imagine. Yeah. It happens. I get frustrated. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to. I just want to go back because you guys have been open for what a little over a year now, Zach. Uh, a little about. Yeah, no, October. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So um, with that, I mean, what's what's been the biggest transition from before you opened till now? What's been the hardest thing um, to kind of adapt to besides maybe the influencers? So obviously, it's a, a large facility. Yeah. Um, and so there is a financial component to that. And uh, and paying for the entire equipment with minimal staff to start with, and just just grinding out and figuring out a way. We have twenty two, right or sixteen? Yeah, 20, Six, 16. 16 barrels. We have a thirty barrel brew house. Wow. Um, and then six thirty barrels. So we are trying to 
just fill everything yeah. and fill everything with one one brewer, one person managing, you know, recipe development and, and coordinating all the purchasing. Uh, and then like we had one sellerman at the time. I mean, actually, we didn't even have a sellerman to begin with. We had a packaging guy and myself trying to do all of this. It was just it was madness. I was gonna um, say who's cleaning on the shit. Right. No one was. No, it's it you. It you. How do we passivate this? I don't I don't we gotta put it together. <laughs> you know? Raking for days. Yeah. So it was uh that was a very frustrating thing. You, normal growing pains, but it, it, you know, I've been a part of two breweries now, three breweries that are opening up. So it's like, it, it happens everywhere. It's, yeah. it's unavoidable. You can't, you can't uh, avoid these growing pains, but it was going through it again was just like, okay. And then, and then of course, you know, this whole pandemic yeah. has been another and, and shifting focus where, you know, we were just about, we hired a new person. Um, we were about to do, you know, four turns a day, fill everything and get it going and start actually making money. And uh, it was literally, it was literally the week that everything shut down that week. We hired it. We had a new guy coming on and everything was, shut down. And it was like, all right, we're now we need to this close to making money. <laughs> I, was, yeah, and, I was actually just going to ask you what, what were you, you know, what were you guys doing? How many turns? Uh, what were you guys besides obviously, you know, all the contract brewers or partnership brewers that were coming in. Um, how how often is the brew house being used? It was uh, two to three brews, um, five days a week. Wow, it was. I mean, busy. Yeah, I get to that point where like the, when there's a, I've I've only done like three or four triple brew days on my own. Oh, and it's Jesus like Christ. it is. I, I get to the third one mm. and I'm just like I'm looking at my watch and I don't know why I'm looking at my watch. But I know <laughs> it that, this definitely. time is important. That 11:45 is a really important time. But then I'm like, all right, what needs to happen? This this this. Okay, it's like, like being a waiter out. and having too many tables and being in exactly. the weeds. Yeah, it was that was crazy. But. I want to I want to delve into how the pandemic is affecting both of you guys, but I I want to get to some of Jay's beer because uh, I think now we're all on to chasing darkness. Um, yeah. So you've already kind of touched a little bit on these, and I didn't realize this was a twelve percent by twelve percent. And uh, I, I took my first my first big swig and I went, oh, oh, boy. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. I, don't, I brought two other beers down here. I don't think I'm going to get to those beers really quick. <laughs> That'll be fine. We'll take over. Nice. There you go. You can have the show I'll for a while. The show. Just tell me what to say. <laughs> I love it. I'll, t- I'll text you the outro. <laughs> I'll get my daughter to come down here and just push play on the outro music. So we're good to go. Perfect. Um, so give me the rundown on Chasing Darkness. Uh, this was the first uh, stout of the uh, program that you put together? Yep. yep. So, that's, I- so that's the first stout. Um, yeah. So Chasing Darkness is a scallop version. That's my homebrew uh, recipe. So... Um, I, we, I got, once I got stuck on stouts, uh, chasing darkness became the beer that I started rebrewing over and over and over just to kind of perfect one recipe that I was happy with, um, filled up apple brandy barrels with it, maple bourbon barrels, uh, some regular bourbon barrels all in my parents' house, um, <laughs> all five gallon. So brewed it over and over and over. Um, by the way, by the big way, shout out, parents, big shout out to Jay's parents. Yeah, today. I love your parents, man. Jesus. Thank God they let you do this. Cause it, they, they're really helping us along here, brother. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I still have, so I still have a barley wine sitting in a maple bourbon barrel <laughs> in my, in my house. <laughs> and it might be there for too long. Cause I don't want to go back there now. Yeah, um, of course. But yeah, so chasing darkness. Yeah. Just kept brewing it over and over. Um, 
So I kind of knew when I would do my first stat, I wanted that beer to be the first stat I did at 12%. Um, uh, so that beer, that base is uh, Maris Otter base stat. Uh, most, I would say every stat I did as a home brewer, Maris Otter is the base stat I use for all my, yeah. uh, base grain for all my stats. Um, now, that, now how, how you got up to 12%, is that just more green or what, what, yeah, so, what brought uh, up that ABV? Yeah, a lot of green. Yeah. <laughs> um, as as Billy as Billy would say from Nightmare, if you don't overflow the mash done, you're not brewing. <laughs> oh, I think we we did. <laughs> we did for we did for the barley wine. Yeah, I have pictures of it. <laughs> You're like, oh shit, is this supposed to happen? <laughs> Billy's are worse though. His like his like come out of the port up top that is like no grain is ever supposed to go there, but it goes there. That's a good name for a beer. No he beer is supposed it. to go there. Yeah, uh, you, you need someone dying for yeah. it to be one of his. Beers. That's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> bloody Colombian yeah. necktie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so uh, I knew that that would be my first kind of solo stout um, recipe. Recipe at twelve percent. Most of the beers that we've done uh, thus far have been collaborations. Um, the Barley Wine collaboration, Stars Version co- collaboration, Then Chasing Darkness was my first solo. And then I went Tail to Pities, which is a collaboration stout, then Ride of the Crows, collaboration IPA, Moxa Stout is the next one, which is a collaboration, and then will be Insomniac's Daydream, which will be not a collaboration, but IPA. Um, so yeah, just a lot of collaborations to start. Um, I understand that timber means nothing to people who don't actually know me. Um, and I kind of felt that by making this jump to uh, much, a much larger scale, I wanted to start off doing a lot of collaborations to kind of get some of the thought process of some of the friends that I know that make really great beer. Um, so with Horace, the barley wine, with uh, Eric, the IPA. Mm. Um, so yeah, with Riot, Prison City, um, kind of want to bring the people in that I know make great styles of the beer that I want to try and make. Um, and so, yeah, Chasing Darkness was really the one where I knew what I wanted for that stout. I knew what I wanted at the end of the day. I knew that, as you said, no, not enough coconut. I knew that people would say it's not sweet enough. It's not a pastry stout, but I knew it'd be a beer that would translate for well for a certain barrel. And I knew having those old 2006, 2007 Heaven Hill barrels where they're a little smoother, they're not as punchy as a fresh, newer barrel. Uh, it would lend itself well to what Chasing Darkness really is. Right. Well, uh, in my head right now, yeah. all I keep thinking of is you, you, you're you're not putting enough coconut and Zach going, hey man, did you put coconut in it? Because I don't get any <laughs> coconut. I texted you at four in the morning. <laughs> it was more like I think I think there was a text message that it was like oh wait you said awesome. you wanted coconut in this <laughs> it's, it's already, already it's, it's, it's already in the can, it's already like, in the can. exactly <laughs> you put any coconut sorry you see and I don't I don't get all that because I I have from my first sip to now just pouring in the rest of it here I'm getting a, a good sweetness to it which I would then quantify as a pastry stout so for me. Um, it's not dry. It's not uh, bitter. It's it's not overly oak aged or you know bourbon barrel aged. It's got a good sweet flavor with the coconut. I I, I kind of attribute it to the coconut as opposed to yeah. any of the other adjuncts you might be adding. 
Yeah, and so the reason why I put not enough Pokemon on the bottom was not only because I knew that people would say that, but <laughs> when Alex, who Alex Blank, who's kind of the operations lead and kind of like one of the leads at twelve percent, uh, tried the beer the day that we were selling it, he goes, "Why didn't we put more coconut in this?" And I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> I was like, "I like I tried to put like a lot of coconut in and." They were like, well, that's too much coconut. <laughs> so we scaled it back down. Uh, and it, it's the it's the right amount of coconut that I would want, because I don't want a big sweet pastry stout. Uh, well, living in New York City. Nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I wanted to, people to actually taste the beer. I want people to taste what the beer, the intention of the beer, the base beer is supposed to be, what they should expect going into that barrel. And I thought the coconut would be a nice complimentary flavor to kind of the baker's chocolate that you get that baker's chocolate and nuttiness that Maris Hotter tends to leap, provide with some of their stats. Um, sorry, there's like some it's car outside blasting music. No worries. It's the only thing, <laughs> only action you've gotten in uh, probably 50 days. <laughs> it is insane. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, I wanted the coconut to be more of a complimentary flavor. I knew that people wouldn't be as excited about it because it's not a sweet pastry bomb. Are yeah, you cool. happy with Are you happy with the beer? Yes. That's all matters. I'm happy with the beer and I know it's what I want to go into a barrel and I'll be happy with it when it comes out. Um but yeah, I knew that people would say not enough coconut. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy with it. If it was your vision and that's what you expected out of it, then yes, they can say all they want and and whatever, but you know what you did was what you wanted to do, so it's kind of like the it's why i like and i also i love and i hate like places like on tap because you <laughs> I, like, I, like, I, like people, I like that people like i get to know what people enjoy but at the same time i'm reading it and i see people say like uh i wish i was more coconut or it's not sweet enough or it's not a pay not pastry enough and i'm like god damn it i, I, I truly truly despise on tap um not for myself, well, for myself, yeah. but for every brewer that's out there. And I, I, I don't know if you ever seen any of the, uh, the posts that Yepe has ever done. They are hysterical. <laughs> Some of them are the best things I've ever, ever. I mean, especially when they had that the whole thing about diacetyl. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, come on, people. I mean, enjoy the beer. Sit, relax, drink it. Don't, don't guzzle it and go to your next beer so you can get your next badge or, or you know, whatever. Um, just, I know, just sipping this beer over the last, you know, half hour, I'm totally enjoying it. Yep. I think it's a great yep. job. Um, you know, uh, from what you expected, from what you've told us, from what I'm getting, uh, it pretty much sounds you hit what you wanted to do. Could have used more coconut? I'm fine with it. Uh, some people, yes, whatever. Uh, I like, I like the, uh, really has that, that, like you said, Baker's chocolate note. Yeah. Uh, I get a little bit of heat from barrel, yep. uh, and a little bit of Oak. Very no, no, there's no barrel. No, there's not barrel. This one's not barrel. What's, right. what's hitting me but, then with that little heat though? It's on the that, tongue. It does have that barrel esque flavor mm. to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. Yep. Uh, but overall, it's, and it hides the heat well, so which you know, twelve percent. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> that, that that's that's an indicator of a, a beer that's been well done so yeah yeah you'll see that if you guys get my next stat which should be out there like it's a little more in the pastry realm which people enjoy just because the second the next stat is like um it has the same amount of coconut but it's also cassia bark mm. and cassia bark which is chinese cinnamon uh oh. provides like a lot of flavor for a small amount um so you get like a ton of it's like a cinnamon cake um so i think people enjoy that more because it does have more of that adjunct more of that flavor a little bit sweeter would um, you come across that ingredient like how do you get into casino bark uh casino bark uh so that one i owe to horace kyle from horace aj ah. um so that beer tells you pities um i'll get a can later when zach's talking but uh, <laughs> it's it, um it's a kind of a picture of a two pities my dog and i was collabing with barclay brewing out of chicago he had a dog who was kind of right now has lymphoma and uh, he wanted to do a beer that kind of memorialized uh or paid homage to his dog um for and uh oh thanks my wife brought it <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah hey there it is oh nice two pities so, uh so my dog and his dog Boromini, and we kind of on the bottom it says for boro uh, his dog, uh, his dog's kind of a cinnamon color. So we wanted to do something that uh, was cinnamon related. Uh, and so I was kind of doing research on how to add cinnamon because I had never done that as a home brewer. And that's another big thing is like the transition from home brewing to commercial in terms of the amount of adjuncts to add. Like that's a big thing that I'm kind of learning right now um, just because it's completely different. Um, and uh, I spoke to Kyle from Horse A Jails, and he recommended I go with cassia bark, hmm. which wouldn't tend to be as spicy as reducing regular cinnamon. So I asked him his recommendations on the amount to use, how long to have it on the beer. Um, and so kind of just ran with it. And uh, yeah, it small amount, does a good job. Tastes like cinnamon cake. Um, cool. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Steve, have you ever used an ingredient like that, Steve? Uh, yeah, we've used some, we had used some crazy stuff more, more sugar wise. We've, you know, used like, uh, uh, a bunch of different, uh, molasses type, like cascada, uh, sugar, um, things like that. But I just realized, uh, only checking on you guys, obviously before, uh, you know, we did the show, uh, cause I really didn't know much about, about timber ale. A friend of mine probably a month ago sent me a, a picture of a label of a beer. Now I'm a big Ooh. otter fan. Like <laughs> I'm obsessed with otters. And a, a friend of mine said, Oh my God, there's a brewery in New York that has an otter on their can. And I'm like, wait, what? And, and it's Maris, Maris goes to Oceanside. Yeah. It's an otter, right? Thank you so much. <laughs> that was a long setup for a thank you, but yeah, nice job. Long setup for Steve Otter. It's funny that, that follows me on Facebook or Instagram. I post every single day. I post a picture of an otter. Um, <laughs> this past week, I was supposed to be in Tampa swimming with otters. Had this whole thing set up. So that can label, bro, is the best in my book. Yeah, it was a, 
That was a funny one. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, we, uh, that was like a, it's a very, so we brewed, I used to do for some of the articles for hop culture, this series called back to basics, where kind of had a professional brewer come do a homebrew and kind of tell the, their story of how they, uh, kind of started in the industry and kind of bring them back and do like a collaboration homebrew. So I did one with Zach when he was at Kent Falls called Twigsies hmm. and uh, that used spruce branches. And then for Horace, we did Maris Goes West and it was uh, Maris Otter Base, barley wine, English barley wine. So uh, just did Maris Otter. So um, when we decided to do first beer, I decided to make it Maris Goes to Oceanside. Horace is based at Oceanside. So you have the otter kind of looking out on the pier in Oceanside over the water. I'm sorry. Zach's just eating garlic bread. That's just chewing into this garlic bread. Sourdough. Sourdough Sourdough he made. Sourdough. I'm I'm sorry. I forgot we talked about the sourdough. (laughs) He's ruining it. A little bit jealous. Yeah. I just suddenly. I've never made it before. I'm really excited. (laughs) I suddenly got very hungry. Oh, my God. It's so crunchy. Extremely hungry. That is the best. Wait, he's going to get the he's going to get the outer beer. There it is. Yeah, yeah I just I just opened it. the door. There it is. Hey. Yeah. So it's a yeah an otter looking out into oceanside at the pier, and there's a little plane in the sky doing cloud writing that says barley wine is life. Ah, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So that was the first one. So yeah. So we got uh thank, we got a... thank you for that because I don't know how many people were like, Bro, did you see this label? This is awesome. I'm like Yeah. People yeah. Were, yeah. I wanted to leave us some time here because uh we, we obviously are in the middle of a pandemic which is definitely changing what? all of the what? Wait, what? <laughs> we're in the we're in the middle of a pandemic, Steve. I don't know if you know. I, I've just been staying in my house for six weeks with my wife and children because I love <laughs> spending so much time with that. You love you. Oh, you like to hurt yourself. Yes. He says. I mean, I don't, but I'm strongly considering it now. Um. So how how has this this new way of life changed business models? Um. And uh, Zach, I'll start with you because you have the tasting room, the brewery right now, all you know running still. I would assume you had to change your business model. You had to change the way you guys do business. How has that affected you? Um, so besides, I mean, we cut our hours because the beer, I mean, overnight we lost a lot of national business um, because we did, no one knew what was going to happen with this. Mm. Um, we didn't know that brewing beer was essential. I mean, if I had told my parents, I keep telling this to people, but if I had told my parents that, you know, when I first started doing this for free, that someday there was going to be an international pandemic. And don't worry, I'll be essential. I'll keep my job. I'll still make money. They would have laughed at me. They're just like, no, like, go be a doctor, like a normal person. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it is good that I, you know, I still have a job and that I still am working every day. Um, and we, as you know, 12% had to figure out how to adjust the business um, accordingly to the ever-changing um, news that we're getting you know everything is changing every day so we're adjusting on the fly and it's been really cool to see uh, not only like local but hyper local within Connecticut just responding very positively to, 
to what we're doing and what uh, we're allowed to do now um, with the laws being a little bit lax where we're able to deliver, do home deliveries. Um, it's just been, it's been really cool to see how we've been able to adjust and, and do it successfully. So how is it set up right now? Are you guys currently still having deliveries? Are you doing email? Are you doing um, you know orders ahead of time and then pick up? And then how is it all like interfacing with we're I guess, all of that? You know? <laughs> Anything that you could think of, like, yeah, we're doing just like everybody else. Yeah. You know, everybody is trying to just survive through this. Yeah. I have uh, to say, though, uh, a lot of the guys, like, like, like Jay, you don't have a brick and mortar. For, for you, this has got to be, you know, you can still brew beer. You can still put it out there because people still want beer. And actually, people want a lot of beer right now because that's all a lot of people doing. They're just drinking at home. Especially Pete. Um, yeah. So for, for guys that just, you know, are are – part of the, the contract brew um, or gypsy brewing um, this is you know still a viable time for them where guys that have brick and mortar it's going to be a little harder for them yeah yeah it's it's, it's definitely been a it's been a strange transition and I think it changes on a weekly basis I think at first when it when things started to slow down and kind of shut down um, I thought that I wouldn't have another beer brewed for like two, three months. I think that's kind of, I think it, it, it felt like it was going to be, this is done for a few months and might be done forever. Um, I think it's kind of changed over the last few weeks, uh, kind of seeing that response that you said, a lot more people are want to buy beer and their people are home even, yeah, you're home every day, you're gonna go a little crazy. You might need some beer. Um, I think it's changed a lot in terms of what I expected. Um, not that it's better, because obviously people's hours are getting shut who are working at the brewery, but I think um, it's surprising to see how much people are really um, still buying beer and how there are still things are still moving on. At 12%. The support is still there it, it, from yeah. the community, which is great. Zach, you talked about hyper-local. So do you really thrive on that hyper-local business um, during regular times? And then how much has it changed uh, to that, you know, since this started? Uh, yeah, I mean, yes and no. We didn't, again, 12% was a, a distributor first and foremost. Yeah. So you can see a lot of that guiding a lot of, um, what we do as a business. Now, wait, just let me step back. So the distribution part, is that national at this point? Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's it's an importer, so. Uh, I'll just say, did they, they distribute to 15, 18 states, something like that, 12%? Uh, I think it's like 30. Yeah. Wow. It's wow. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. So we're, yeah. we're everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, to see that, side of the business just evaporate essentially um it was crazy but from my perspective as a being marlo and marlo being a, a connecticut brand like that is my full focus um you know it's a lot of we have a lot of discussions about where the beer goes and i'm constantly trying to pull it back and be like no this is i want it to be in connecticut i want it to be in new york i want it to be in new jersey um, but I also want to branch up to like Maine and be in within New England states. I want to mm. be, I've always seen it as a, a New England centric brand. 
So I'm trying to focus more on keeping it as local as possible with the emphasis of being Connecticut. So as 12% as a whole, are you guys trying to stay, uh, are, are distribution completely shut down at this point, I'll say, or is it is it kind of just reduced? Or And if that's the case, then are we just doing deliveries beyond the Connecticut state lines? Are you allowed to now go beyond because you have a distribution company? Oh, yeah. We, we've always been able to go, you know, wherever. Um, it was just more of wholesalers withholding, just not buying because mm. no one knew. You know, no one knew what was going to happen and what the response uh, of pe- what people were going to do. Were they going to buy beer? Or were they just going to drink, drink water? You know, uh, no one knew what nope. they were going to do. And and then with all the bar sales, so all the bars are shut down. Right. So the, they're still that's, figuring it that's out. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, even even a lot of people don't even think about, but uh, like stadiums, yeah, you know, stadiums, uh, coliseums, where beer was, you know, concert venues. It you would have, you know, of one brand, you would have thirty, forty kegs of of one of one brand, and that would be for your weekend. And now they're just sitting there. So um, that's the sad part. A lot of people don't realize a lot of beer is going to go down the drain. And it's it's again for reasons like that where large venues uh, that would take in a lot of beer, even if whether it be Budweiser or whether it be craft beer or not, it's beer that's going down the drain. Which, uh, in the long run, in the uh, beer community, is not a good thing. And one of the things uh, here on Long Island, we have Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan that has small venues that pride themselves on having a, a good concert venue or a comedy place, but then also prize themselves on a good craft beer list in addition to that, um, which is kind of uncommon upstate and uncommon in rural areas, um, that definitely takes a big hit. You know, I, I know like JB in New York City, you know, you definitely want to have that New York City presence as being a New York City-based, you know, brewery. Um, so how does that a, a kind of affect the whole equation? Um, for me, it kind of changed... Uh kind of where we sent timber ales um timber started going into virginia thanks to zach's connections uh from richmond uh so now timber i saw it in dc and richmond and surrounding areas recently that's been a new place kind of where we've been sending timber just because there are so many places in new york city where the beer is being sent that aren't serving beer anymore. Right. Um, so we have to find near new avenues to kind of send that beer and kind of pull back on doing these giant 60 barrel batches and kind of scaling that down and scaling how often we are brewing. Sorry, uh, is that because like Washington and Virginia are less of a threat and people are more out and about or bars open no, down there? Just, or just um, kind of, so Zach had a good relationship with uh, Isaac out of Reverie distribution in Virginia mm, okay. and kind of finding new avenues for people who have wanted to get my beer, but weren't able to get it. Huh, so good. that's been a, kind of a new avenue of where we are sending Timber Ales beers. Um, just because there are so many places, bars that are no longer able to kind of accept kegs because they can't sell things to go anymore and they don't have on draft sales. Um, so that's been a new avenue. And then just, yeah, that and the tasting room, like, we're lucky that, like, even though I'm in New York, there's been a good amount of support from the local community in Connecticut um, to really try my beers and take a chance on what I'm putting out there. 
and that's kind of been saving us to kind of move forward. Because I did, I did think when this would stop, like that, that would be, it would not be months until I brewed another beer, or it would be done completely. Yeah. That's what I expected. Zach, are you guys currently uh, still canning? Are you crowlering, growling? What's the uh, what's the lineup or the menu look like? Yes, to all of it. <laughs> Again, it's just we're every brewery is just in survival mode, so we're doing everything we can. Uh, However, we you a, can get beer out the door. Exactly. And pay so for we, bring your own we cup. A, we, yeah, they're, yeah. They're doing <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure if the law would let us do that, we would be we would 100% be in on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we just bought a crowler machine, so we've been doing. We, we're, we're sitting on kegs, you know, because we prepackaged right. a lot of the stuff to send to New York City to the bars, um, where they just magically just disappear. Uh, <laughs> you can't just open up those kegs and anymore. dump it's them out. It's not a viable thing. Yeah. So now we're crowling it, we're growlering it, we're canning more than we ever can before. How's the demand yeah. for aluminum can, thirty-two ounce, sixteen ounce cans? Dude, that's got to be. October has got to be doing fucking gangbusters yeah. business yeah. right now, right? I know a lot of the Long Island guys are, are been having rough times. Um, I know a bunch of them have been trying to go in, and there's a local company uh, that actually supplies, and they've been having a rough time. I know Ball, company that does uh, the majority of the 32-ounce uh, rights, they said they're going to up their production, but you know, at the end of the day, these breweries, that's the only thing that they're putting out is 32 ounce cans. So, you know, now each brewery, instead of doing maybe, you know, a couple of hundred over the weekend, you know, through the whole week now that they're, they're doing, you know, six, seven, you know, 800 cans, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's rough for everybody. So Zach, I see you drinking. I saw Dubco put in a, put in a canning line today. Yes. They or, or wow. as of today. Really? Yeah, but they I were think... spending so much money on doing mobile canning, uh, it only made sense for them to to actually get their own canning line. Zach, you you've been drinking. I don't know if it's a water bottle, but it looks like a screw top. And I've seen a local brewery here, Hopwinds, be one of the only breweries that's kind of doing beer fills on a screw Nalgene? top. Oh, really? They're drinking now jeans? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you had something else. There's a white bottle there too. Oh, this is just a can. Oh, yeah, that's sure. sure. Oh, it's just a regular can. I saw upwinds have a crowler machine. Yeah, they're doing resealable crowlers. That's what it is. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it's resealable crowlers, so reusable in a sense, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how does? I mean, you got to drink it that I'm day. I'm not a big fan of it myself. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't seal them. I mean, it's by hand. It's. Oh. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, I feel like about, like, you got to drink them. You're getting in there, or. Yeah, oxygen. Do you have to worry about air getting in there then? Or? Well, if you're doing any type of filling of any type of can, you should be purging with CO2. Right. Um, just to try to, because uh, CO2 drops, it's heavier than, than oxygen. And then as you fill, you'll you'll push out your, your O2. But if it's something that you tighten with your hand, that's never going to be tight enough. You're so basically, gonna go, it's got to take it home and drink it for the most part. You got to drink that. You got to drink that shit. Gonna, it's not going to actually ever work. Yeah. Yeah. What I are mean, you going to see that for? Like, uh, no, you're not. Yeah. No, you're not. I mean, the you're crawlers gonna... that that here on Long Island and some of the local regional areas that I've been to, uh, they've been lasting uh, a good week or two, which is great. So I can get four or five and drink like one a night or something, or space it out. So that's probably the most viable option that most of the breweries have. 
Um, and then, of course, if you have a growler and you're going to drink it that night or within 24 to 48 hours or so. And then, yeah, we'd hope. And then, yeah. of course, your your four packs. So, you know, I think those are the the most uh, common, you know, f- uh, ways of bottling and canning the beer. Um, so, you know, Jay, you have a, a bunch of these four packs out there and available to the public. Do you have anything upcoming at twelve percent? Do you have any beer in the tanks right now? What do you got going? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Moxa collab. Uh, so that beer was supposed to be originally be brewed before this all happened. We had to delay things. Um, so we brewed it recently um, with their blessing. So mm. that is an imperial stout aged on Ugandan vanilla beans Ooh. and coconut. So that like Lion is, King. <laughs> it is gonna be. I think it'll probably be so. It'll probably go into barrels. Uh, let's say Friday or next early next week, okay. and it'll probably be canned shortly after that. Actually, we'll probably sit on vanilla for probably five to six days, and then cocoa nibs for a day, and then it'll be canned. Um, so that's in the tanks, as well as Insomniac Daydream, uh, probably be canned. I would assume next week. Nice. How, how next many week. vanilla beans per barrel are you using? Uh, so it's. Is it measured point, in pounds or is it measured yeah, in volume? It's 0.3, 0.3, it's 0.3 pounds per barrel. Um, I'm trying to think. It probably comes out to around 300. Oh, okay. 300, pa- 300, van- 300 to 300 vanilla beans for probably be 9 to 10 barrels. Nice. Exactly. Uh, the rest into Weiser Craig and uh, Old Fitz. Gonna be barrel aging that. Zach, you're overseeing that that process. How far along are those two beers right now? Um, uh, what? And so, and there's two, as tomorrow will be two weeks for the Moxa. Tomorrow mm. will be one week for Insomniac. Yep. There you go. Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Like you got to remember <laughs> your your, I your brew stuff right now. <laughs> the answers might not be right, but. <laughs> <laughs> he might be talking with me, but I know that I know that the IPA is finished. Yeah, <laughs> Insomniac is like three. It might be right, but three and a half. He said. Yeah, anywhere between four and forty-seven days. Anywhere in between there, it'll be done. It'll be fine. I think he said it's at three and a half today. Okay, there so. you go. Yeah, right there. So I mean, as at that point, when you have that stuff, you you're gonna have it in can. Um, what's What's the presentation? Are we just going out through twelve percent, or are you going to try to get it out to some distributors? What's the, what's the plan? Same, uh, same thing. So it'll be through twelve percent. Some will be sent through Reverie in uh, Virginia. Uh, a good amount of it will be in New York. Will be on Long Island. Uh, it was a sixty barrel batch, so it'll be out there. Um, I do know, like the beers have been showing up. Um, I know the Moxa beer specifically. Will show up in Northern California near, near where Mox is in Sacramento. Right. It'll, it'll show up in San Francisco at a City Beer. Um, uh, so yeah, it really depends. So like a lot of the clubs, like the club at Barclay, he's in Chicago. I had to send out to Chicago. Mox will go to California. After that, it's a collab with Eight State, who's in Greenville, South Carolina. So the mm-hmm. beer will go to South Carolina. So try to get a good amount. Wherever I do a collab, I want to do send a good amount of it to whoever is coming to collab with me. Yeah. Um, 
And that's the so, point of obviously doing collabs, right? Is to try to get your name out there across the country, do different collabs with different regions of yeah. our nation, and then be able to then distribute or at least have it available so you get the name out there, the brand out there on the line. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, like I've always viewed collab as, uh, collabs as, I, I know a big part of that is marketing because people want to try a new beer. People are excited to see like mm-hmm. box of beer in Connecticut. But for me, coll- the collab is really, picking brewers where I respect and I really enjoy that specific style we're brewing and I want to learn how they really get it where it is. So, and um, and I'll also say the, the can art really stands out like in the chasing darkness. It looks freaking awesome. That that one has a, that one has a weird story that artwork, um, that beer, uh, so the original artwork for home brewing, um, was done by the artist who does Treehouse. Ah, um, it does look very Treehouse-esque. I'll say that. It has those. So it, 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 it do, Mike. Yeah, I know. I got a bunch of Treehouse stuff sitting up there. So I have it, cans that, all over that one, that one was done by originally by the guy who did Treehouse. Uh, he sent it to me. It ripped in the mail. Um, the actual print. This was like years ago. Um, and I had asked him to redo the artwork uh, because it had ripped. Uh-huh. And so he sent me a new artwork, but it was months later. And that label on my homebrew, uh, I believe, was used by Treehouse to become uh, Hold On to Sunshine, was, which is one of their staffs now. Yeah, um, yeah I know. But... So when I started, when I grew Chasing Darkness commercially, I decided to get an entire different label because every time I post my homebrew, people think I'm stealing Treehouse's label. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it almost is like if you look at uh, this is Simple Life, by the way, it's a yeah. uh, Imperial Milk Stout. Um, it almost looks like you're telling a story. Oh, yeah. Look at that story. It's like here he is in the woods in a tent, and then all of a sudden he sees a light at the end of the woods, and there it is. He's running towards it. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's a, it actually a good tie-in, so I like it. And it's, it, it, yeah. but yeah. then it, but then to further the story, then there's just a bunch of crows because the sun is setting. The crows thing. killing everybody. Yeah. yeah. yeah oh no. <laughs> but I'm definitely Poor cool Jason. nonetheless. I've been. <laughs> well, if anyone's interested, there's the. At least uh, I spell everyone shits on Jason. Yeah, exactly. The New York Rod and Gun Club are holding their uh, they're hosts so from good. last year. <laughs> their sixth <laughs> annual crow hunt. Those are wanted dead or alive. Nice. <laughs> Do you, you want to hear something even funnier? Um, one of my good friends growing up that gave me my drum set, he actually was a founding member of the Rod and Gun Club. <laughs> How crazy is that? Must fucking hate crows. I don't think that's why they created the Rotten Gun Club for crows. But nonetheless, he's not quite the uh, animal hater. He is a vegan. So yeah, I don't think he'll be out there with a gun. Wait, what? Yeah, my buddy is a vegan. vegan He is a vegan. No, no, he doesn't hunt. That's what I'm saying. Just shoots. Yeah. No. Just just shoots to kill crows. Just shoots to kill things. All right. That's that's none of what I said. Um. Jason, yeah. do, you, do you ever do you ever um, have aspirations of having a brick and mortar no. room in and and, and no. not now, not after this. Well, I'm not saying now, but we have we all have interest uh, in the future that yeah, we would true. like to do. It, if if I did, it'd be a long time, and it'd take another perfect situation. I don't I don't foresee it. Then again, I. I literally, the week before I started, Zach had reached out about 12%. I told everyone, I actually did like a, an interview with someone. I told them I would never not home, not be homebrew. 
So, oh. <laughs> um, but I have no, I have no plans right now. And uh, yeah, uh, I, no plans. Yeah. <laughs> Unless real estate plummets to an all-time low, and <laughs> in New York and, City, uh, could happen. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. true. Uh, you could but, uh, actually no have. And then, yeah. So those beers are those beers in the tank. Eighth states next, and then all right, right. Zach, uh, Alex just said, said, "Go ahead on our beer." So yeah. then, nice. Like, Zach and I are doing a collab after. Got the communique. What, what is this beer? It's gonna be it's a gonna breakfast be, stout. Uh, breakfast, breakfast stout. Ooh. But low ABV, you know, first stout. We're talking about what, like four, so six, like, four, eight. No, it's gonna be. It's not gonna be seven or eight. It's gonna be like six or seven. No, I said it'll four. 20, it'll be twenty percent. <laughs> it's gonna have Pinot. It will, it will add as many adjuncts as we can to it. Oh my god! You you do realize, Jason? It's whatever Zach wants. That's so. right. I do realize that. that yeah, that's right. Or, or whatever. At the end of the day, what, what it's gonna. Have... It's whatever you want. So. And it's also oh, gonna be whatever he texts you about it at four in the morning, <laughs> saying. I, I, I won't know about what's actually in the beer until I drink. No. Pancakes <laughs> are our normal adjunct for breakfast outs, right? Yeah, exactly. He'll, he'll probably have, he's probably already brewed it. <laughs> he's got uh, he's, Zach. He's got a dry hop of uh, breakfast sausage already in there. <laughs> um, just putting sourdough in it. That's it. I, I, my, my, my new thing is uh, every brewer, brewer that comes on, I asked him uh, one question. Uh, I already kind of got Jason because he's already spoke about the beers that you know turned him on to craft brewing and some of his favorites. But for you. What was like, like the first beer that you said, "Holy crap, um, this this is unbelievable." Um, what do you drink now, and what is the one style that you really truly enjoy? I think I was really lucky. I wasn't even fortunate, but pure luck to be raised in Meadville, Pennsylvania, where Voodoo was. And then to be able to work there and then, you know, drinking, they did their Pappy, uh, Pappy Van Winkle barrel aged black magic um, within the first year that I was there. I had no idea what Pappy Van Winkle was. <laughs> and I didn't know what black magic was. I was just there. I didn't know anything about craft beer at the time. Um, I had had Hetty Topper before, so I knew that there was like this cool cultish type thing. Um, but just drinking these, <laughs> drinking these barrel aged stouts that were world class because they were low fills on our bottling line, and <laughs> I, I, like that doesn't get any crazier or, or uh, mind blowing than that. It, it just like that changed everything for me to realize that to look back and realize what I was actually doing at the time because at the time I had no clue. Um, now I drink. I drink everything. If you said Bud Heavy, we would be hanging up on you right now. (laughs) I drink Bud Heavy. Absolutely. What style style you gravitate towards? I. Pilsner. Yeah. I mean, between Pilsner and and, and Farmhouse beers. Okay. Yeah. So I I really, um, really enjoy Dan Suarez. Yeah. He's doing. Yeah. Suarez is. I love Hell Farmstead, of course. And then I've been recently turned on to Sante and Darius and their, their, mixed culture program is just i mean uh, it's unbelievable to to get these very nuanced balanced flavors out of these beers uh, i think a lot of people are trying as americans it's our it's our tendency to overdo things and push I, the balance being at right yeah. so i remember being at shelton fest 
for the first time. Oh my and, God, Shelton Fest! And we, we, you know, I was pouring for Kent Falls, and like um, Tommy Chef was there, and he's from he's from Holland, I believe. And I, I just remember drinking one of his beers, and just being blown away by how balanced this beer was. It wasn't it wasn't very acidic. It wasn't fruit heavy, but it was a, a Chardonnay, a mixed culture beer. Hmm. And it was just beautiful. It was perfect. Like I could, I could sit there and drink that beer all day long. Did it and have to do, to, did it have to do with like the environment you were into? Like a lot no. of it is, it's just, you could drink it in your basement. You could drink it in the bathroom. It doesn't matter. Anywhere. Nice. That beer was just so well balanced. And then going over to Degard, who I still love and I, I do really enjoy their beers and then trying it and being like, this is just so acidic in comparison to that beer. Um, and I just, it just really dawned on me that there's this, there's this other culture, the European culture that is more restrained, more focused on, on being these drinkable beers rather than just something that is, um, momentous, you know, rather than taking a sip and being like, oh, wow, this shocks my palate. I'm going to rate this higher. I'm going to talk about this rather, you know, like these beers that they're an accent to your experience is what really gets me. So anything that does that. Do you think some of those breweries care about what untapped says about their brewery no. No. <laughs> because they know they're just producing ridiculously perfect beers well you know it's it's a beer that's complex it's there's so many layers in that in that um the flavors that a, a, a beer and, and I, I know exactly what zach's saying um i had gone to shelton fest about a year ago and so many beer that i had had that I had had was unbelievable. The complexities of some of these beers were, and again, the majority of them were European beers and they're just so refined. They're just so complex in so many levels. And again, you know, in the U S we shock and awe, you know, that's our big thing. <laughs> you know, uh, the, the first time somebody had a East East coast hazy, Oh my God, all those hops and everything where, you know, Europeans are still trying to figure out why we're doing that. But, <laughs> uh, Jay, do you have, um, you know, uh, something that you're looking to strive for, for the future? Are you looking for a very specific plan and model, or is it just going to be, uh, obviously right now things are changed, but let's say things haven't changed. Um, what would be the, the next step for the, the brand for Timber Ales? It's, I mean, it's, it's going to still be just kind of getting our name out there. I mean, we're one, two, five. I'm looking at the, I have a freezer chest with kegs, homebrew kegs, <laughs> where I put all my labels out. So I'm counting how many beers I've done. <laughs> we're, we're five beers in. I mean, two more coming out. So seven beers in, um, just really getting the name out there. I mean, I know I don't have the pedigree that Zach has. Uh, I'm coming from a homebrewer's perspective. I don't have the experience brewing professionally. Uh, really just kind of trying new things. Every one of the beers I've done this far have been a completely new recipe. I'm just trying new things and trying to see what works and what doesn't work and kind of getting people's reaction. And I'm hoping that as we go along, we get a few followers along the way and people who enjoy the beers that we're making. And, um, that's really much it is. I, I just want people to enjoy what we're creating. And, uh, for those that are excited about a barrel age program, like 
I'm I'm super stoked about that. I'm super stoked about what 2021, hopefully, or maybe 2022 <laughs> becomes when we get those barrel-aged beers out of the barrels. And um, hopefully, we're out of the house by then. Yeah. Yeah. And we're up at 12% beer project in Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, I just, I just, yeah, I just really hope that like, I'm excited to see what comes when those beers come out of barrels, but I know I got a long way to go and don't have the, as I said, I don't have the pedigree and I hope that people enjoy the beers that we're making. Well, I think over time you're going to develop that pedigree. You're going to, from the, based on the beers that we've had tonight and, you know, the, the taste profiles and everything. Uh, I think you're hitting it on every level at this point. So just continue what you're doing and uh, you'll be right there. It should be a common name for most people here in New York and beyond, especially, uh, you know, in the local area of Connecticut, the hyper local area of Connecticut, yeah. uh, that, you know, Timber Ales is going to be a, a common name in the craft beer industry. You, yeah. you already, you know, you already had a, a name as a home brewer. Um, people knew you as a home brewer and, and, and Obviously, if 12% approached you to do a project, there was a reason behind it. So you should feel good in that alone um, that, you know, you might not have the pedigree like you keep saying, like Zach has, but you have uh, the passion and you have uh, a foresight in what you want to do. And and it's coming across so far. You know, I've only had two of your beers so far. Uh, and... Uh, there are yeah. there are a lot of beers out there that a lot of mediocrity. <laughs> for, your first, for your first few beers, man, you should be very happy what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and obviously I owe a lot of it to Zach. Zach uh, I wouldn't be able to do scale things up and have things come out how I want them to come um, unless he was there. So. Yeah, and especially calling you five in the morning saying, <laughs> "You better in there." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could do. I, I, for how the beers are coming out, I can deal with him being a fucking asshole. <laughs> hey, uh, Jay, we just got uh, a 1,500 pounds of ripe avocados. These are going into the IPA, right? For, for some reason, someone's making a beer that adds peanut butter next to my fermenter every fucking time. And you just send me the photos of it, and you, it looks like they're pouring peanut butter in my beer. And he has him and, like, the guy, Chase, Chase who runs pretty much, like, brewing operations there being, like, how much peanut butter do you want in the beer? And Chase doesn't like joke around, but like it is yeah. fucking annoying is because very... now I have everyone, <laughs> I have like five or six people texting me all the time being like, you want peanut butter in this beer? Or like, <laughs> How much peanut butter do you want to add in the whirlpool? I'm like, God damn it. Oh man, that's so good. So just so you know, your next beer is going to be gluten free, just so you know. <laughs> And you're gonna have to market it. I'm gonna make a peanut butter beer next. (laughs) There you go. The best thing though is we all do that to each other. We we love we love messing with each other a lot because, especially a guy passionate like you, um, you take it to heart right away. You get so excited, like what? what?" So the other guys that are just laid back are just like, yeah, we got him, we got him again. He's like he's like laughing his ass off, and I'm freaking the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, whatever. Beers are coming out; people are enjoying them. I sit here and I just, I mean, I just drink Zach's beers. (laughs) (laughs) Zach, so uh, what's the uh, what's the new normal? What do you think the next uh, year or so is going to look like for Twelve Percent? I guess go on a level of where we are now to where you'd like to be. 
Uh, I know that New York, Connecticut, New Jersey is trying to work together in regards to opening up. So, you know, what do you think the timeline is by you and where do you think you can excel the brewery once it's back open and ready to go? I think focusing on what we've been doing is probably the the best move for because everything is changing, you know, as, as we said, and we don't, no one knows, you know, it's, it's impossible to predict. Um, medical professionals don't know how this virus acts and reacts. Um, so we are kind of flying it in the dark day by day we're going to do, and this seems to be working for us. So what we're doing right now is working for us. So focusing on that is probably the smartest um, the move for us. And as things change, we've proven that we can change with, um, with the time. So we'll we'll change. Do you think that, and this goes for you as well, uh, Jay, do you think that our states are going to continue with the delivery service, you know, as we're gradually reopening and moving forward, do you think they'll end up, you know, keeping the current laws or bylaws at this point um, in effect to continue growing the business? Do you think they'll shut it right back down? Zach, I I know you're shaking your head. I think it's viable to to shut it down. They're going to shut it down. Yeah. And what do you think the the purpose of that is? Yeah. What do you think the motivation is? So obviously this uh, right now, the motivation is is keeping people in business for, for delivery, for pickup, online ordering. What do you think the motivation is to shut that down? Like what, why is that, you know, a good idea now or why wasn't that a good idea before this? Well, because lobbyists and I mean, this is like, this is just hearsay from my, I don't know, sure. but uh, I do know that there are, you know, we are a distributing company um, and there we, we are in a bunch of different states. We're not very big, we're not a very big company, uh, but there are very large distribution companies that make billions of dollars and they uh, uh, use that money to incentivize their own needs and gains, or I guess not even needs, but their own gains. And I think that, uh, that it plays a heavy hand in, in deciding like what we are able to do as breweries. So, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jay, what do you think about you with distribution here in New York? How's it uh, going to react in the market as we try to reopen? Um, <laughs> it's it's really hard to say because like I'm only five years in yes yeah. <laughs> um i'm only five years in i'm still learning where my beers are going um i know that i mean there's a 12 percent has a widespread across the country and i do see beers popping up in other states um but i do think as things start to normalize i will you'll see a lot more of our beers showing up in new york at least i hope <laughs> that's the case but for right now um it, it's it's I don't know it's really hard to say because I'm still I'm still learning the ropes on where uh, how to kind of how the business works and kind of where the beers do show up so very cool yeah well listen I, I wish the best for both of you guys and both of your businesses um, I want to get you guys to give us the, the last big plug here I'll start with you Jay um, give us uh, any information that people can find you or find information about the beer or information about where they can find the beer, whatever you got, just throw it at us. Cool. Um, yeah, I, uh, Instagram timber underscore ales. That's where I pretty much post all the beers, uh, that or NYC beer society, uh, reach out anytime. I pretty much respond to any comments. So 
feel free. Uh, just don't talk about peanut butter in my beer. <laughs> You're going to get thousands of DMs her. about peanut butter in your beer. That's the only reason I'm here. Is to make that. It's, it's, He's just here to fucking drive me nuts. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Zach won't have to do it. He's going to give it to me. Yeah. And then, yeah. Then I'll text there you. you. Steve's going to distribute <laughs> it throughout all the Long Island breweries and all the head brewers saying, <laughs> yeah. so I heard you have all the peanut butter powder in the world. <laughs> I, I need it all. <laughs> but yeah, you reach out to me there as long as you don't say anything and find my beers at 12% Beer Project in New Haven. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Very cool. Zach, give us the big plug for 12% and, of course, Marlow Ales. Well, 12% is just 12% Beer Project. Um, and Marlow is Marlow Ales. And, you know, <laughs> that's it. Go ahead and Google search them, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the all these social media inner tubes. All, all we, yeah. All we do is Instagram right now, but you know, coming up with uh, a website. Too. Yeah, we've got the timber ales. He knows. <laughs> he's a, yeah, he's actually my brewer, my New York City uh, representative. So yeah. reach out to timber ales. <laughs> I like a Marlow Ales fan club in New York City. So Ooh, yeah, I got to get in there. I got to get into uh, you know Queens and Brooklyn to to pick up my Marlow stuff because well, I. Let me know. I have all the Marlow Ales. <laughs> oh fuck! All right, I got to get in there. <laughs> We'll talk. I'll get you guys addresses and uh, information later for uh, some swag. I really appreciate you guys coming in. Uh, Steve, any last words? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, you know what? You guys need uh, a website and maybe a Facebook. Get social media. <laughs> social media. I know, Jay, you know, you're just starting out. I know you don't like it. I know you don't like it. <laughs> But you have a wife? Damn. I hate Facebook, by the way. You have a wife? Yeah. 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 Okay. Your wife's going to be no, your new social media <laughs> director. Yeah. Um, She's already uh, giving me a thumbs down. No, shoot <laughs> I hate she, it. When, when, she works in media and she will not do it. Ah, so she's I, perfect I, I for I the job. I the website. I just never created it. Ah, Wix.com. Yeah, I had to do it. I hated it. So I actually hired somebody. And they did it for me, and thank God. Uh, but yeah, I, I tried looking things up on uh, on you earlier yeah. in the week, and I'm like, I had it. It was like a couple of articles, which were great articles. Yeah. Uh, but you, you're doing a great thing already. Um, the other yeah, hand, read, read the one I wrote about Zach. I wrote one on Zach. <laughs> did you? Yeah. All right, shit. I gotta look that up. Well, I'll yeah, look up. I'll look it up after the show. <laughs> Is it very yeah, personal? Great job, guy. Um, and I, I want to, I definitely want to try some all ale, so we're going to have to get some of those, but yeah, awesome job on, on the two beers that I've had tonight, man. hundred percent. Yeah. No, we'll make sure to get some Marlowe ales out yeah. to you from New York, New York fan club. <laughs> just let us know where on Long Island it is and we'll, we'll drive to Nassau County. I don't give a it's shit. Just, it's just all in my fridge. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I go around that, but I buy it all. <laughs> No one else can get it, so you have the. Uh, yeah, the, the... I drink it all. <laughs> Got all the peanut butter powder and all the marlin. <laughs> That's great. All right, guys. So thanks a lot for joining us. We appreciate it. This is the work with Mikey Pete Govs Radio dot com. Uh, Pete, any last words? Don't forget to have your pet spayed or neutered. That's right. This is the work with Mikey Pete. We out. Well, that's two hours of your life you're never getting back. First off, it was three hours. What the fuck? Honestly, how can you talk about beer for three hours? It's beer. There's so many elements in it.
Where's mine? It's been three hours and I don't even get a single beer. You don't get shit. This is the Wirt on Gov's radio. I hope you're drunk enough.